Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your motorsports insider with the Indianapolis Star, here with my guest host, Connor Daly, for another episode of IndyCar Weekly. Here to recap a, a really big weekend, not just in IndyCar, but in motorsports in general. Uh, we had the, the doubleheader weekend uh, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway between IndyCar and NASCAR. We'll get, dive into uh, IndyCar's own doubleheader they have going on this weekend at Road America and take your questions as well. So, Connor, first, uh, the biggest question I think everyone wants to know after seeing that you lost 12 pounds in that uh hot and muggy Indy GP on Saturday. How are you doing recovery-wise? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm fine. And the, and the funny thing about that is the 12 pounds was almost, you know, that was, that was kind of a, a low estimate. <laughs> you know, I, I had had so much water and so much uh, fluids kind of intaking in, and I kind of weighed those. You know, I, the, the science behind it was not um, entirely... Uh, you know, thought out, but after talking to my trainer and kind of what we, what we, what we looked at with how much water I took in and how much I still, uh, you know, how much lighter I still was that night, um, you know, that's kind of what we came up with. So it'd be really interesting to get a scale right there, right after the race this weekend, just to see, but yeah, it was hot. It was, it was very, very difficult. Um, it, it was, it was, it was without a doubt the most challenging race of my, of my entire career. Um, you know, to, to this to this point, um, and 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 I, I I have not really seen you know guys like Joseph Newgarden or Simon Pagano you know struggling after races or, or at least talking to them personally. I mean, obviously they had decent days. Simon was on the podium and Scott was on the podium, but I think for sure a lot of the drivers thought that uh, you know with the with the higher levels of heat in the cockpit, uh, it's certainly presenting a new challenge. So. Um, it's also tough. I think people forget that that was the first road course race that we've done all year, and, and the first race is always tough physically. So I'm thinking, you know, we'll feel a little bit better hopefully this weekend. But but there's two races, so um, a lot of us are are really diving into you know the the physical side of what what training has looked like this week, what a hydration plan is looking like, you know, what what kind of uh, IV support can you get maybe after the race, you know, for the next one. So there, there's a lot that are kind of, there's a lot, there's been a lot this week um, that, you know, I've personally thought of um, to try and figure out how we can prepare for, you know, two double headers in a row. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, was, it was a tough race uh, physically, mentally, and, and, and yeah, it, it, everything was on the, on the line there at the end of the race for sure to just get to the finish. How do you, because I think of it, uh, a runner in my own respect so you know I've done some half marathons and marathons and there's always that idea of you know when you're training for something you have your your really hard runs maybe once a week there's that that aspect of training 
in continuing to condition yourself versus recovery. When you have, you know, this this I guess less than a week or about a week or so between these this really hot race on Saturday going into a doubleheader weekend, how are you balancing this week between training for you know and keeping your conditioning that you've already built up versus just trying to recover from what you said was a really really tough couple hours in the car on Saturday. Well, I mean, we hit it Monday hard. I mean, obviously, sat, like Saturday night, I was I, I was a barely functioning human. I, I was very much, um, you know, trying to celebrate Fourth of July, but uh, realistically, you know, I, I was not very useful. I, I, I met up with uh, with Noah Gragson after the Xfinity race. You know, he was staying at my house Saturday and Sunday night, um, so we were hanging out and kind of you know trying to trying to enjoy a bit of the Fourth of July and. And uh, I, I was I was struggling. I mean, I, I was after the race. I had laid down in the, in the truck for potentially 30, 30 minutes, probably. And um, you know, I, I I was just struggling, just just struggling to kind of get up. So after that, though, you know, we pounded some fluids and, and, and felt okay Sunday, uh, and then got right back into it Monday. You know, I, I wanted to train harder than ever um, and, and get some heat training involved. You know, this week I've been running in my Nomex uh, through the city. Uh, to try and kind of up, you know, it's, it's been 90 degrees still here in Indy every day, and so I've been running through the streets uh, after we train in the morning at the gym, uh, you know, with my Nomex on uh, to try and get some, some more heat training in. Uh, and then obviously kind of going through a pretty extensive hydration plan for this week um, because not only are we, we doing double headers, but we're practicing and qualifying on the same day as the race. So, this is without a doubt going to be the biggest physical challenge ever, I think, in, in IndyCar. Um, and, and, and it's going to be really interesting. So uh, just trying to stay as ready as possible, you know, taking in as many fluids as, as I can all week this week, um, but also really stepping up the training to make sure that we're uh, doing as much as we can. But, but without a doubt, the body is going to have one race under its belt already, and so we're going to be, be feeling probably a little bit better after the first race. Um, but then hopefully, you know, we can, we, we can, we can get as much recovery as possible in four race too. Yeah. It's almost kind of like a, a combination of what you guys did at, at Texas with the whole aspect of a one day show versus, um, the heat aspect of a road course race. Certainly a, a very tough, uh, tough weekend ahead of you guys. And I know the, the arrow screen has been. A hot topic on no no pun intended. A hot topic uh, in all of this. We've we've heard from guys, you know that you know maybe you'd like to see just some improved cooling aspects of the car. I know there's maybe some additional work that IndyCar can do on just generally um, adapting the aero screen. But from your perspective, how much how much of this is just going to kind of come down to you guys having to just know what you're going to have to go through and, and just really prepare for it more than actually adapting any part of the car for the conditions that you guys are under. You know, I really don't know what can be done. Um, it's, it's tough to think about. I know already they're, they're potentially, you know, the, the Arai helmet cooler or the Arai helmet uh, vent system uh, it has a little bit more to offer the helmet than, than the Bell one right now. So I think right now we're kind of working through putting the Arai, um, the Arai helmet cooling uh, system on the Bell helmet uh, just to kind of as a quick fix for now. Um, and and I, I don't really know how that's going to work out because obviously 
it's not designed for a bell helmet, so we're kind of like, you know, gypsy rigging it a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really don't know what else they can do, to be honest. I mean, without making it super complex, and then the car is already very difficult to get out of. Like, it's very difficult to get out of. And so if you're going to put a bunch more hoses in that we have to disconnect, it then it becomes more dangerous, I think, to try and just get out of if you're in a situation where you've got to get out fast. So uh, I, I'm, I'm just very curious. I, I don't know what the options are. I think right now they're trying to move the drip bottle system to a place where it can be a little bit cooler for longer because really about lap 15 or 20, the, the, the drink bottle, whatever you got in there, is boiling hot. Um, so that's not efficient at all. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm not sure what's going to be done. Uh, but, but something definitely does have to be done because – it can be hotter. You know, the Indy GP, was it hot? Absolutely. But it can have, it can definitely be hotter than that in Indiana and in Iowa, uh, in the Midwest in general. So so there's going to be some, some questions that we got to have answered here, um, you know, as we keep rolling through this busy schedule. Yeah, it's certainly something that will be interesting to see how it plays out at Road America. But um, it was already something that lots of folks mentioned heading into uh, an late August uh, Indianapolis 500 where you guys are in the car for three hours or more. Um, will be interesting to see how IndyCar continues to not only adapt that piece, but adapt the cooling systems as well. Um, well, we, as we move on into, you know, more, uh, talking a little bit more about this race, race in depth, you spent some time up toward the front of the field um, with the, the two-stop system you guys were going on, ultimately maybe derailed a little bit by uh, that accident that happened, I think is on lap 36 with Oliver Askew in, uh, in turn 14. When you guys are feeling like you are really maybe going to end up uh, turning out pretty well in, in this race, what what did that crash um, do for you and how, did, how were you guys able to respond to just kind of something that was totally out of your hands in that aspect? Well, it was tough for us because we, we, we were committed to the two-stop strategy from the start. Um, you know, we, we wanted to take advantage of the new reds at the end uh, and save enough fuel in the first two stints uh, to be able to do that uh, because we had really struggled on pace uh, for, the, for the primary tire, the black tire. Uh, for some reason, our balance, you know, even in qualifying, we were useless on black tires, and then as soon as we put on the reds, I could really get some lap time out of it. Uh, and that obviously showed in qualifying, considering, you know, we were pretty, pretty close to making that fast six. Um, but uh, but it, it just, everything about it was, was tough for us, because I was on the black tires when the, when the yellow came out. We were still in the process of saving fuel. Um, and it brought everyone close, you know, who were on reds and who were kind of more in a, in a bit of an attack mode. So it was just, it was a tough spot for us to be in. Uh, you know, we knew we were struggling with pace on blacks and we knew we had to save fuel. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was tough. Even when attacking a little bit on, on blacks, uh, we just, we just didn't have the pace that we needed. And, and um, sure enough, we, you know, we, we still had to save fuel at the end as well. The way, the way the, the pit stop sequence worked out, you know, we couldn't even take as much advantage of, of the reds at the end as we wanted um, because we kind of had to pit early on the blacks uh, in the middle stint because we were getting, you know, taken advantage of. So um, everything just kind of went went awry when that yellow came out. And, and it was a shame because we were definitely in a position for, you know, a top three type day uh, or at least, uh, you know, fighting for that uh, at the end. Um but you know it is what it is. If 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 you know if we can, that, that's our first race together. And then the fact that we were running up front all day and, and you 
take advantage of our of our optimum situation, which is the which was the new reds at the end. Um, but uh, you know, it is what it is. If a bad day for us is twelfth, you know, we'll take it. We'll keep keep working on improving. And uh, it was just our first race together, so we gotta we gotta keep uh, keep working on things. That's a great point. Um, a lot of people probably may uh, may not remember your first day uh, in an Ed Carpenter racing car to. Uh, finish in the top half of the field, now be sitting seventh uh, in the series point standings after two races. You feel like, we're, what, what do you feel like just from a big picture standpoint um, when you see that seven next to your name ahead of a lot of really solid drivers from some of the bigger teams? Um, how, how do you feel uh, two races into the 14 race schedule this year so far? Well, we just got to keep being smart about things. I mean, we're now into it. You know, we're two races in. Um, in, in, in a really short amount of time, we're going to be another four races in already. You know what I mean? we got the doubleheader this weekend, doubleheader next weekend. Then you'll be halfway through the season, essentially. So, um, you know, we gotta we got to make sure that this weekend, you know, if, if we have a good day on day one, we got to make sure we follow that up and take advantage of, of, of whatever we've got that's going good for us uh, in race two as well. Or if we struggle race one and, you know, we, we have to kind of sit through another 12, hopefully not, hopefully, we, you know, hopefully a struggle for us is still the top 10, but, you know, we can improve that for day two and then potentially come back with, with more points day two. So um, there's a lot we got to think about. We're, we're still pushing for wins. we got to be able to, you know, get up front and continue to qualify up front. You know, I was really happy with, with where we qualified. Uh, for a first time out together uh, at NDGP, and we obviously would love to make the fast six at Road America. Well, not the fast six, I guess, because the qualifying is a little bit different. But you know, we want to we want to qualify up front again. And as long as you qualify up front, it's much easier to race up front. So you know, we we want to make sure qualifying goes well, and we take advantage of that. Uh, your teammate for the first time this weekend, Renus VK, finishes fifth. Um, really solid rebound from him after. Uh, his his cra- early crash and, and getting taken out of the race at Texas on his first IndyCar race and first uh, major oval race um, of his IndyCar season. What did you see out of Renus? Not not only how uh, he finished this past weekend, but the preparation from him leading up to it. Well, I mean, we know Renus is going to be fast on the road courses. He's a, he's a fast driver. He's he's very talented, um, and and I wasn't surprised at all. I mean. part of this weekend of course was scott dixon's continued uh domination of the rest of the field now sits almost 30 points clear of second place simon pagino in the points race one uh one saturday's race by almost 20 seconds after winning by more than four seconds at texas um that included a, a late race restart what what are your thoughts on what uh, Dixon and that Ganassi team have been able to do so far uh, after these first two races of the year? 
Well, to be honest, I, I saw this coming. I, I, Michael Cannon is such a powerhouse engineer. He's such an incredible human being to have in your corner. Uh, and the fact that he's with Scott Dixon now is, is absolutely unbelievable. Um, so I, it's going to be a challenge to beat those guys. But the fact, you know, I followed Scott the entire first stint of that race and, and really thought that, you know, that was a nice thing to do. Obviously, he was on black tires. I was on used reds. Um, but, you know, they, they made the right strategy calls, and, and, and that's a big part of this race. So it's, it, it, is it Scott and Michael? Absolutely. But it's also, you know, Mike Hull and, and that whole group, they're, they're, so, they're so good at what they do um, that they're very hard to beat. And now uh, I think they're going to be toughest, you know, tougher than ever. So, uh, you know, sometimes racing can, can get difficult. Um, you know, Scott has had some random stuff happen to him before in the past. So as in racing, there's going to be, you know, bumps in the road for sure. But uh, you know, for the rest of us, we we, we got to make sure that we beat those guys, and and we cannot let Scott get you know too far ahead in the championship. And we'll have to see what happens. He's obviously good everywhere, so Road America is going to be good, I'm sure. Um, but uh, but you know, we'll see what happens. I I I, I know that you know I, I I'm just I think the season will change continuously as we continue to do work together, and every driver continues to work with their teams or their new environments that they're in. Um, and right now, the results have been very interesting. Has Scott won both races? Absolutely. But the rest of the field has been kind of all over the map. Um, you know, you've got, you had Zach Veach with a great race at, at Texas, and you had, you know, guys like me and, and Ed up there as well, and then guys like Rossi who have yet to finish a race, it seems like. And you know Rossi's going to come back. You know, I, I think Rossi's going to win both races this weekend, to be honest. I think, I think Alex is about to have a bit of a, you know, a wildly aggressive, you know, comeback weekend. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the season's been up and all over the place. And, you know, you've got Renus and Erickson up in the top six and, at the Indy GP. And so you've got, you know, all kinds of people all over the place. And, and that's what's kind of exciting about IndyCar right now. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about Rossi. I mean, I know he sits down uh, 23rd and, I guess, tied for 22nd in the points. But uh, it's a, Road America is a place that he performed incredibly well last year won by i think nearly 30 seconds i I had a chance to talk to him yesterday and you get the sense that you know i i think it's it's definitely a good thing if you're going to have two really frustrating races to start off the year the fact that he had absolutely no control over either of of those incidents and frankly his team didn't even have any control over um, what happened to him in the first race? It was just a matter of not being able to have the, the Honda engine techs on the grid, something that IndyCar has now gone and changed uh, moving forward. They, I know they had a, a full fuel pressure issue that really plagued them all weekend this past weekend, and they're headed to Road America now just with a completely new car trying to uh, take out any chance that what, what hurt them last weekend could linger on into this one. Um, he's, I think he's, I can envision him just kind of running, uh, pretty freely and, and aggressively, as you mentioned. And when Alexander Rossi gets aggressive and, and gets motivated, I mean, we saw it last year at the Indy 500, even though he came up just short, uh, that's gotta be a frightening thing. Uh, and if you have a, you know, maybe a guy like Scott Dixon gets reeled back in a little bit, if, if Rossi can find some traction here this weekend, these next two weekends are going to be so much about momentum. And if you can find momentum, no matter where you sit in the standings after these first two races, I think you could put yourself right back in the thick of things for sure. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I picked Alex in, in both races for fantasy IndyCar this weekend because I think, 
I think he's going to have a, a strong one. Uh, you know, Colton was obviously very fast there last year, and, and uh, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see, you know, how they continue to develop. But, but yeah, man, the momentum over the next two weeks is super important. I mean, there are a lot of points um, on the table these next two weekends. So, um, you know, we, we, we have a goal of, of, you know, of trying to get some wins, but, you know, realistically is to come out of here mistake-free and, and continue to put points on the board. And, you know, once we get through these next two weeks, you'll really have a good idea of what's going on in the championship. Um, but then, then again, there's still a lot to go. So we'll, we'll have a good idea, though. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up uh, the Indy GP, I know one big topic of conversation was uh, Roger Penske unveiling some new renovations to the track. Did you? I know you were there on a, a really short time frame, but did you have any chance to take in any any parts of the track that you were in that you could notice that Roger's hand and, and vision uh, had been on in the short time you were around IMS this past weekend? Well, the bathrooms are clean. Let me tell you, the bathrooms are really clean. That's uh, something that I can guarantee you that. Um, but it was awesome, man. I mean, it felt so nice to be back at the track. I mean, the track is just such a great place in general. I mean, was it was it a shame to be there without fans? Absolutely. We miss everyone. We wish everyone was there. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Uh, you know, when I left the track, uh, basically in the middle of the Xfinity race on Saturday, uh, you know, the, to see the fans outside by the fence and people kind of parked out there, you know, hanging out, that, that was really cool. I mean, people are, you know, we, we wish everyone could be in there, obviously. It's a tough situation for sure. But, but yeah, there's, there's a lot at the track that I think people can be excited about for the future. And uh, sound up, the sound system got an upgrade as well. So whoever was cranking the playlist out this weekend did a great job. Some, some fancy tunes were, were, were pumping through the racetrack. So um, there, was a, there was a lot of good stuff going on there, I think, for the future. You mentioned you got a chance to at least watch a little bit of that uh, Xfinity race. Um, I know you're, you're friends with some of those guys, including Noah. What were your thoughts on on the type, the exciting race that those guys were able to put together um, on that road course? I know that was a big topic of conversation whether you know whether the Cup cars might move there at some point, and that seems even still at this point pretty unlikely. But I think it seemed like. Um, almost universally a lot of positive feedback from those Xfinity guys on that road course, giving the NASCAR fans maybe a little bit of a different flavor this year and years to come. Well, I, I thought it was awesome racing. I mean, the racing was, was, was fantastic. The last few laps of that race was awesome. Um, so I, I think it went really well. I hope it's a success for the future as well. I hope we can continue to do this more often because – I think those cars raced really well at the at, at the road course, um, and I think the guys had a lot of fun. So it was uh, it was something that I uh, you know I think everyone was just curious to see how it would go, and I think it went great. So great race, you know, great to see Gentleman here, Chase Briscoe, Noah, those guys all battle it out, um, and you know. I would like to have the ability to watch it a little bit closer, like, you know, go to their pit lane wall, you know, and, and just have the freedom to kind of interact with the drivers a little bit more. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can, hopefully we can do that more in the future. As we move on to Road America this weekend, and I know you've participated in uh, a handful of doubleheaders at Detroit in years past, but when you start to look at um, just all of the preparation that goes into a doubleheader, certainly following uh, a race weekend so closely as it does with the Indy GP. Talk a little bit about just the, the heightened importance of 
you know, not making any mistakes and, and not making this weekend uh, a big headache for the guys on your crew, maybe going from, from Saturday to Sunday if you happen to have an incident out there on the course? It's going to be tough on the guys still. I mean, there's so much that that can happen. Uh, we just, you know, that that's, that's again, mistake-free. you got to be mistake-free, but I know the guys are ready to work no matter what happens. Um, we, we want to we want them to keep the uh, keep the issues to a minimum, um, but again, you can't miss a race. You know what I mean? You lose so many points if that happens, and you got to make sure you're ready to go. So, uh, so again, it's it's something you think about in the back of your head. But uh, you know, our guys are are they're, they're definitely rolling now. It's it's one of those things that everyone's in gear, everyone's ready to um, you know keep the keep the party going here and keep the races uh, running, but. You know, I think everyone will, not, everyone will be ready to have a nice little day off after these next two weeks. Yeah, we'll have at least a, a couple weeks between Iowa and uh, Mid-Ohio. Certainly will be a, a welcomed little mini vacation maybe for you guys. Um, all right, well, we'll go on and take some of the questions that we got from folks uh, on Twitter. Um, let's, let's take a look here. Um, first one comes from Michael Petrar. Um, on Twitter, he asks, has the beginning of the season been being postponed and then limited to essential personnel had any negative impact on courting potential sponsors? Um, adds, I also, I'd also figure that the combined IMS weekend would have been a, a big missed opportunity in that sense as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the price we're paying right now, uh, you know, in this whole uh, pandemic situation, um, because part of what is the best you know, sell about IndyCar is, is having people to track and, and having people at our at our events and interacting with them. So, yeah, it, it's hard. Um, and, and there's there's no other explanation other than um, we you know we we just can't wait for next year. So uh, hopefully we can you know continue to survive and the teams can can do the best job they can with with, with what we've got this year and and uh, you know hopefully just come back stronger next year. Talked a little bit of, um, about strategy already, but we got another strategy question here from uh, Key, uh, Brett Keys. It says, Connor, at what point does a strategist decide to abandon strategy like Dixon did? Uh, he says that they stayed on the broadcast. He was planning to go just two stops like you guys did and eventually change to three. Do you think it was purely based on speed he was losing to guys on a three pit stop move? I think really what happens there is you know, Renus was the first to pit, and, and Renus got out of the got out of the pits and was running quite fast. So, you know, other teams pay attention to that, and they see kind of what pace is is possible on when you get to red tires. And um, you know, I, I, I could see Dixon running that three stop pretty early on because if you're starting on blacks, it's pretty much you know almost a guarantee that you're going to do that that three stopper. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it was you know it, it, everything changes constantly and. You know, we were really, really committed to that two stop very early, so it still looked like it was going to be fun. You know, when when Dixon put it in front of me, you know, I had clear track to kind of continue to just save fuel and keep working on things, um, and and that's what we needed. So uh, it, it was, you know, it's one of those things that changes every lap. You guys are always, you know, our our guys in the stand are thinking about things constantly. You know, how is it going to how is it going to affect us? You know, should we have pitted under yellow? Probably not. Should we? You know, if we if we would have caught it just before it went full course yellow, you know, we think through all those situations. But realistically, um, you know, there wasn't much we could have done differently. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it's just it's just the way the cards fall, 
and uh, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Another question on the uh, nutrition and hydration aspect of all of this from Lance Snyder says, Connor, you say you lost 12 pounds during the race. How long did that take to recover that weight? And with back-to-back weekends of double races, are you changing your nutrition leading into them uh, and during the race weekend to keep your blood sugar at optimal levels? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the diabetes thing isn't a problem for me. I mean, that, that is, it, it, it's, that, that's, I find that easy to control um, at this point now. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky, I guess, in that, in that case. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, going through a, like a, a pretty serious hydration plan for this weekend, you know, sitting down with, with an, a hydration expert and a kind of a nutritionist for, for this weekend is definitely happening. A lot of drivers are doing that. A lot of drivers are doing sweat tests this week to kind of see uh, what level their bodies are at. Um, but it really just took, it took me about till Monday. You know, Monday I was still sore, but Monday I was I, I hit the gym very very hard and kind of and, and was able to kind of break some personal records there. So it felt pretty good. But I was I was taking in a lot of water Saturday and Sunday, a lot of after the race, all day Sunday. You know, taking in some um, you know some hydration, uh, you know powders and stuff like that. So um, you know we're we're definitely taking it to another level this week though. There's been a lot of work put into it, so it should be interesting to see how you know how how everyone shows up this weekend. Um, Andrew Stewart asks uh, again on a little bit more on the fuel strategy. Is there a specific point or event during a race that triggers flipping to a fuel saving strategy? Uh, do you always start on a push strategy, or have you started races out with a fuel mileage plan before? Yeah, you know I've started races on all kinds of different plans. We started this race. For sure, two stop. You know, it's going to be a fuel-saving event. Um, but the only thing that flips your strategy is is either uh, you know a yellow or or some drastic pace change by other people who have you know who have pitted early. So um, th- there's a lot that can affect it, and that's why you know you've got really smart people who are paid to do their job on the stand. Um, you know, to kind of help you with that. But realistically. You know, the fuel-saving stuff is hard. It, it, it's annoying because you can't push. You have to, you know, you have to save that fuel, and, and you, you might have to sacrifice a position or two just to make sure that you finish the race, and that's kind of where we were at. I mean, you know, we were running in the top 10, and, and Hinch and Sato were catching me, and I just I just couldn't hang on to the throttle long enough to keep them behind me if, if I was going to, you know, have enough fuel to finish. So, you know, we crossed the line just about running out of gas. So it was, um, you know, it was very, very close. Uh, and that was tough because I had new reds on as well, so couldn't really take advantage of that. I think we easily could have stayed in the top ten had we had just a hair more fuel. Um, but you know, it is, it is what it is. Karen Hollenbeck uh, wants to know a little bit more on the standings. How does it feel to be seventh in the point standings, knowing that you'll get to run every race this year? Well, I mean, we've only done two races, so it's it, there's not a lot to be super happy with yet. Um, you know, we're we're gonna. We're going to figure this out as we, as we keep going here. We're going to learn more and more every weekend. And that that's what's exciting to me is the fact that it's so early on to my relationship with ECR and it's so early on to, you know, what we're starting with Carlin again, that we've got a lot of momentum to still, you know, to still find and we've got a lot to still learn about each other. So the fact that we're not, you know, starting in a hole and, and, and trying to come out of that as we continue to grow together is, is really cool. So um, it is exciting. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pumped to, you know, just to get just get back to the track. I mean, the fact that we don't have to wait as long to get back and get things going again is super awesome. Because um, yeah, I, I can't wait to go on and just get back out in the get back out and feel the battle with the with the rest of the boys. 
Uh, AJ Digby um, asks, you might not be allowed to share this, but you talked about SPS under caution with your wheel on the radio. Is that just engine power modes? Uh, and also, do you have an idea how much more fuel efficient the Hondas have uh, versus the Chevys? Yeah, I don't know how much I can say about that stuff, um, but we obviously do have a lot of uh, wheel settings that we can run to kind of help us save tires, to help us save fuel. Um, SPS isn't necessarily having to do with fuel, um, but uh, but it is something that helps us, uh, you know, in the car. So there there are a few things that that people won't know about that, but that you know we obviously have in the Chevy camp that we can use and. You know, Honda's got very similar things as well. Everyone calls stuff different things. But, um, you know, I'm not really sure what, what the fuel mileage difference is. I'm obviously super happy with Chevrolet and to be with that group of people. Um, it did seem like there was, uh, you know, I, I think you know, there was a little bit, it seemed like Graham was having a little bit easier of a time saving than I was. Um, so we might have to look at that and see kind of how, how that it, uh, differentiates. You know, I was looking at some data. Um and then there was there did seem to be a little bit of a of an advantage to you know to how however he was saving fuel but you know my technique seemed to be better but we weren't quite saving as much so um there's there's something there so we'll so we'll see but obviously again just race one so everyone's still learning everyone's still kind of getting into it um but yeah there, there's a lot that we use uh on the wheel thanks to the you know the manufacturers chevrolet you know to help the drivers and um you know, we're obviously going to use those as much as possible. And if you hear something you don't understand on the radio, it's probably because it's meant to confuse you or it's meant to, uh, <laughs> it's meant to throw you off. So, so yeah. Uh, some couple good questions here from Aaron Bearden. Um, one of them, uh, based on how physically challenging Indy was, uh, what do you foresee uh, challenge-wise for competitors, both at uh, Road America and Iowa? I know there's some folks that, um, think maybe Road America might be more difficult because it's a road course, but uh, Iowa, I know a lot of folks have also said, is oftentimes the, the most physically demanding track on the course. So maybe talk a little bit about um, just kind of the differences between those. Yeah, I think Iowa's going to be the hardest race on the schedule for sure. Um, you know, the doubleheader there, without a doubt, that's the most physically demanding place um, that we've visited, I think, all year. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but we will also have you know, three races in a pretty short amount of time to kind of get our bodies to that, you know, that level of physicality for that, that long of a race distance. So, um, so we'll see. Yeah. This weekend is again, probably going to be quite tough. Is it going to be difficult? Absolutely. We got practice qualifying and racing all in the same day. So, you know, we're going to be back to probably, you know, 5,000 calorie burning days, um, which is going to be pretty aggressive. So, uh, that's uh, going to be quite a weekend. We'll, we'll see what happens. I look forward to kind of measuring it all on my little whoop, uh, whoop band here, my heart rate monitor. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, 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 it's just something to pay attention to. You know, it, being physically, you know, if you're physically struggling, you know, it's easier to make mistakes. So if you see crashes or, or, or things happen late in the race, that's probably, you never know. That could be because people are just physically deflated. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how that affects everyone. He asks, um, kind of a follow-up to that, 
what regular circuits uh, do you think could be the hardest in the future outside of Road America, Iowa, and the Indy GP? And he says he's particularly curious about street circuits like Detroit or Toronto, knows that they're not on the schedule this year, uh, but wonder how difficult they might be uh, just given the current situation of the, the Aero Spring. I don't think Detroit's as tough as Toronto. Um, I think Mid-Ohio is a very difficult one because Mid-Ohio, you know, historically not a lot of yellows there. Um, so that's usually a, a long race um, under green. But, uh, but yeah, there, uh, Toronto is always a tough one for sure, and it can be hot as well. Um, but but I don't know, man. I mean, all, all of the races are tough at this point, but for, for sure I think the, the top three physical, you know, physical difficult tracks are, are going to be the Iowa's. Um, potentially Toronto, Iowa, Toronto, maybe Mid Ohio. Uh, you know, tracks like that for sure. I think are 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 are, are some of the most difficult, without a doubt. And we got a final question here from Chris Bishop. We've talked um, a good amount already about this two stop versus three stop strategy. But he says, please go a little bit more in depth on uh, the step by step process of trying to decide between a two or three stop strategy. And says, explain like I'm a three year old. Well, I mean, the race is a certain amount of laps, and we know after doing practice and qualifying how much fuel we burn, uh, you know, going full throttle and full attack. Um, so we know the length of a stint, you know, using those numbers, um, that we need to be able to do full chat, full throttle, full attack. And, you know, if you do that, that's a three stopper. However, if you save fuel uh, and you potentially extend that, there's a window of making it a two-stop race. Um, so, it's, you know, not all races have that. Like, you know, Road America we're going into, that's pretty much a three-stop. Like, you, you can't do it in two uh, unless you get a ton of yellow flag laps. Um, but uh, it, it, is the two-stopper usually harder? Yes, because you really have to be religious about saving fuel. And, and, and the uh, NDGP, you know, uh, in, in, in the Indy UP case, for example, you know when I <laughs> when I passed uh, asked you on lap lap one, really, as soon as I passed him, uh, you know I tried to push Dixon for about a lap, but I realized I immediately had to get into a leaner map, uh, leaner fuel map to save fuel because I wasn't going to make the strategy work. And it's hard to think, you know, right at the start, you got to back off the throttle already, but but you did, and and we had to, so. You know, the hardest part about that is still defending from the guys potentially behind you who are not on a two-stop and who are pushing, you know, all out. So that's kind of the art of IndyCar racing right now is sometimes you've got to be able to save the fuel to make things work. Um, and you don't see it at the beginning, but it all comes, you know, it all comes, uh, you know, comes into play at the end. We've seen Dixon take advantage of fuel strategy before. We've seen all kinds of drivers take advantage of fuel strategy before. They kind of wander around through the middle of the race. They're never really in super attack mode. But all of a sudden, everyone's made their pit stops. And you're like, well, how did this guy get in the lead? It's like, well, because he made one less pit stop than you did. So um, so you got to just think about all those things. And, you know, we have a lot of information to kind of be able to choose one or the other. Um, and then if you, you know, if you get a yellow early on, that changes things as well. And then it also depends on you know what tire is good. If the red tires are terrible, you know you got to you got to get those off as soon as possible. So if you if you start on on reds and you get a yellow lap one, boom! Guess what? You're pitting immediately. 
getting those off, and then you don't have to worry about uh, you know a short stint later on in the race because of uh, you know tire tire wear. Uh, so you know, obviously, our our weakest tire over the weekend was black tire, so we were hoping to make that stint as short as possible. Um, but we had to cut it too short because of the way the yellow worked out. We you know we were getting we were under attack. So uh, there's a lot of ways that they can work out. Uh, and it's a lot of it's above my pay grade, but I'm I'm happy to do whatever the guys on the stand tell me to do. <laughs> I'll I'll even ask a follow up question to that because I don't think I got it talked about maybe a, uh, enough this weekend. I, I think maybe not everyone may have noticed that this race actually was bumped down from an 85 lap race that has been run the last several years down to 80. And I'd be curious to know if you felt like maybe that uh, I, either you know this for certain or maybe you heard this from some folks, if, if you felt like that was maybe done specifically for this purpose to maybe shake up the fuel strategy a little bit and give guys maybe that, that window to possibly try and go to versus basically just about having, you know, almost everyone have to go three if you felt like that was the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that, that is a huge reason why, you know, we could have done a two-stop strategy. Um, yeah, IndyCar looks at that as well. They look at, all right, how has this race distance affected our actual product of racing? Uh, and sometimes adjusting the laps in the race, you know, will adjust how strategies work out. So everything works hand in hand, and um, that's why you know anytime things like that change, we look at how strategies can change, and um, and then we just go from there. All right. Well, I think that is it for us here um, on this episode of IndyCar Weekly. Certainly have a lot of lot more content to follow on IndyStar.com covering. Uh, this weekend's race, or races, I guess I should say, uh, leading up to Saturday. Uh, that first race is on at 5 p.m. on NBC Sports. You've got the uh, the second race of the weekend on Sunday. I believe the broadcast starts at, uh, at at 12 noon on NBC, and that race will start around 12:30. Um, you can certainly follow. Uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, watch those races online, and, and hopefully you'll read our coverage on IndyStar.com as we get going into a, another really wild uh, wild IndyCar weekend with another one to come next weekend at Iowa. So for, for Nathan Brown, uh, we have Connor Daly here. Thanks so much, Connor, again for the time in the midst of this busy week. Uh, and we will look forward to seeing how things go um, in these these next two races for you guys at ECR this weekend. Absolutely, yeah, it should be a fun one. We'll see how it goes. Thanks for listening.